Well, good morning, uh, East Point Church. We are glad that you are able to join us this morning. Uh, this, these are strange times, different times, and it is quite odd. We, we miss you. I miss seeing your faces out there, your smiling faces. I miss um, your amens and your hallelujahs. I, I miss the saints gathered uh, singing together in, in praise. But God in his grace and in his providence has uh, made a way uh, for us to gather in this unique situation. As Pastor Tony mentioned, it is unique, uh, but we thank the Lord because he is indeed uh, good to us. While we can't see you, uh, you can uh, see us. And from what I understand, uh, you can see us a little bit better uh, this week. And for that, uh, we thank you. I need to uh, acknowledge both uh, Pasquale and Wendell, uh, who were up here multiple times this week giving of their time. I want to thank them. I want to thank their families uh, for putting in the time to make sure that we could get out this live stream to you uh, in both quality, with quality and with sound. So uh, if you have an opportunity, uh, shoot them a text. Uh, acknowledge them on Facebook. We're so thankful to them for their service to us. Well, if you joined us last week, you know that we um, began a, a, a new series uh, in light of the events that we are undergoing right now entitled Psalms uh, for the Season. We heard last week Pastor Tony's message uh, that we are those who are blessed from Psalm 1. And this morning, uh, we come to Psalm 2. Uh, many scholars believe that Psalm 1 and Psalm 2 actually go together. Um, Hebrew scholars look at it and they, they see the, the verse in uh, of chapter uh, of Psalm 1, blessed is the man, and, and it creates what we call an inclusio, the last verse of, of Psalm 2, blessed is the man. And so it is right that we would take up these two psalms together. But before we dive in, let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask him for his help. I don't know if there is a more appropriate cry this morning than, Lord, we need you. Every hour we need you. You are our one defense and our righteousness. Oh, God, how we need you. We need your comforting hand. We need your word to strengthen us. We need your grace to sustain us. Oh, we need Jesus to indeed be our refuge this morning. He is our King. He is our Lord. So we want to listen to him this morning. By your Spirit, come and teach us. Come and meet us. Oh, may your name be praised in all the earth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, it's not hard to discern that we are experiencing unprecedented times. 
You know, it is often discussed among generations as they look at the events of their lives. They sometimes wonder and they sometimes uh, uh, contemplate what will, what will make the history books about our generation? What, what will future generations remember about our generation? Well, the truth is that most events and news that we experience uh, in our lifetime will not make the history books. But as I was thinking this past week about what we were going through, I, I, I have utmost confidence and, and I, I think I know for sure that 200 to 300 years from now, if the Lord should tarry, this world pandemic will make the history books. The world, brothers and sisters, the world. Not, not the country. The world has been significantly affected by these events. Countries have shut down their borders. Economies have been devastated. Healthcare systems overwhelmed. People have lost their lives. Panic and fear have swept over nations. And all this is happening not on a, a local level, but on a global level. Brothers and sisters, it is times like these. A pandemic of this magnitude, it requires that you and I pause. You don't just dismiss these moments. You can't be indifferent to these events. These are the times where we need to be contemplative. We need to be reflective. When a pandemic shuts down the world, I think it is appropriate and even prudent to ask, what is the Lord saying? What what is God seeking to teach us? Why has he brought the world to its knees? Perhaps many of you have, have asked these questions. I was with uh, a meeting with a group of men this, this past week uh, on, on Zoom, of course. We were practicing social distancing. Um, but we, we were discussing that very question. What is the Lord doing? What is the, what is the Lord saying to us during these times. Now, my goal this morning is not to make any predictions about the world coming to an end. I don't know what we are experiencing right now means the is coming back sooner rather than later. No one knows the hour or the day the last time I checked. I am not sure what is bringing judgment upon the world. If you would like to ask these questions, you are free to. I just don't have answers for you. <laughs> but I do believe there is a question that this pandemic in these unusual circumstances begs of us. There is a question. It is, a, it is always the question that we should be asking ourselves when, when we are forced to, to sit down, when the world is brought to its knees. It is the, the question Psalm 2 asks its readers. And that question is, who is my king? Amen. 
Who is my king? Brothers and sisters, there is, that, that is a pertinent question in times of distress and uncertainty and when, un, when navigating unfamiliar territory. If you are like me, when you are presented with a situation like our world is experiencing, you want to know, you want to know who is in charge. Who is trustworthy? Who can I trust in this situation? Who is, who is competent? Who is going to lead us to calm waters? Sisters, because the bottom line is we are exactly what the Bible says we are. We are sheep. And sheep need to be led. And so when, when trouble rises, sheep, sheep look for a shepherd. Really, really, if we were to boil it down, life is one big game of follow the leader. Because, brothers and sisters, when trouble rises in our world, we, we, look, for a, we look for a king. Who is going to help us? Who is going to assure us? Who is going to provide safety for us? As the world has been brought to a halt you and I need to ask ourselves, who is my king? Well, the psalmist in Psalm 2 gives us two options. And brothers and sisters, there, is, there are only two. There are only two options. But here is the deal. The king you choose matters. Matters. It, it matters just not for the next life, but it, it matters for this life. Who is your king? Who your king is today has import for your present uh, reality situations right now. Who is your king? Is your king found among the kings of this world? Well, the psalmist reveals for us the nature of these kings, the kings of this world. When, when he asked, when the psalmist asked, why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? He, he is asking, why are the people and why are these nations rebelling? Why are they in opposition to God? Why is the world in turmoil? The answer is because they are following the lead of the rulers and the kings of this world. They, they, are, they are following their leaders. Psalm 2, verses 2 through 3. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. The, king, the kings of the earth, the psalmist is declaring, are, are marked with pride and a desire for autonomy. And therefore, they, they demonstrate a, a blatant and utter, an utter defiance in the face of God. They, they are purposely setting themselves up against him, wanting nothing to do with his commands or his ways. This 
This is the, the MO of kings and nations in this world who set themselves up in opposition against God. I am reminded of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, who opposed God and his people, openly blaspheming and asking Moses and Aaron, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice? Do you hear the rebellion, the defiance in his words? I am reminded of the many judges who were supposed to lead Israel to righteousness, but on, on the contrary, they led the people to rebellion. Hence the common phrase we read in the book of Judges. And the people did what was right in their own eyes. This is the testimony of worldly kings and, and leaders and nations throughout redemptive history. Rebellion and a pursuit for autonomy. Brothers and sisters, our world, our world is not littered with kings like the ancient world was. But we do have world leaders and presidents and authorities that operate in the same manner. Is declaring here that anyone, anyone that sets themselves against the living God falls into this category. Even those who think that they are an authority unto themselves. They see themselves as the captain of their own ships. This rebellion, brothers and sisters, is caused by sin. Sin. I think it was Thomas Watson who said sin left uh, to run rampant in the heart of man makes it his aim to, to dethrone God. These are the wicked and the scoffers whom the psalmist speaks about in Psalm 1. And the point, the point the psalmist is making here is don't walk in their counsel. Don't stand with them or follow them. What, what ought we to be doing in these unprecedented and strange times? What I do know is that we are not to follow and seek after those who set themselves up against God. Why? Why don't we do that? Why don't we stand in the way of scoffers, sit in the, with the wicked, because those who set themselves against God have God against them. Psalm 2, 4 through 5. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury. Wow, these kings, as they set themselves against God, think that they are somehow striking fear in him or causing him to worry or, or to fret. Yahweh, he sits in the heavens and he laughs. He holds them in contempt. Now, he doesn't laugh at them in, 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 some, comic, in some comic relief form. He laughs at the sheer foolishness of the idea. These kings, these nations, the people, as they plot in vain, 
as they seek to conspire against the sovereign God of the universe, they don't understand that they are no match for him. Isaiah 40, verses 15 and verse 17 speak of how God sees the nations. Behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket and are counted as the dust on the scales. Behold, he takes up the coastlands like fine dust. Here is how God sees the nations, like a drop from a bucket. Verse 17, all the nations are as nothing before him. They are accounted by him as less than nothing and emptiness. This, this is why God laughs and holds the nations in derision as they set themselves in opposition against him. Here's the point the psalmist is making. You don't oppose God and win. You don't oppose him and win. And those who try find destruction in the end. Choosing worldly kings who oppose Yahweh means you are choosing destruction. You are choosing the wrath of God. Verse 9, you shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessels. Brothers and sisters, this is a sobering reality of those who oppose God. Kings of this world who set themselves up against Yahweh and his anointed one will face judgment. Which means those who follow him, follow them, will suffer the same consequences. These are earthly kings that set themselves up against God. But there is good news, brothers and sisters. You don't have to follow the kings of this world. You don't. You, you and I have a, another choice. You can choose to follow the king of kings. God's answer to the rebellion of these earthly kings and the opposition of the nations is to set up his own king. Psalm 2, verse 6. As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. Oh, God knows that we are sheep. We are those who need to be led. So his answer to rebellion and wickedness and ultimate destruction is to set up his own king, the merciful king. And he's a good king, a king of God's own choosing. Perhaps you are asking, like the psalmist asked in Psalm 24:10, who is this king of glory? And the, the answer comes the most. He is the king of glory. Unlike the kings of this world who oppose God and are therefore at enmity with him, this king, he is the son of God, his only begotten, the, the one in whom he is well pleased. 
The one who grew in wisdom and favor with God. The one who is called Wonderful, Counselor, Prince of Peace, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. Who is the King of glory? Jesus is the King of glory. And he reigns, brothers and sisters. He reigns. Jesus reigns. Oh, this, this is why it is foolish for the nations to rage and for the kings to conspire against God and his anointed one. For the kings of this world don't have ultimate authority. The, their power only goes so far. It is King Jesus in whom all power and authority rests. He is the king of kings. Psalm 2.8, as for me, I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. Hear this, brothers and sisters. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus. All authority. The kings of this earth are no match for him. In fact, the judgment that is to be carried out on those who oppose God will be accomplished by King Jesus. He is the King of kings who reigns. And he does so with power and authority. Therefore, therefore the choice should be clear. We, we know which king we should choose. The psalmist has made it plain for us. But, but the psalmist is not done extolling the virtues of King Jesus. Jesus is also a king who is merciful and good. He's merciful. Oh, he offers forgiveness and extends grace to those who rebel against him. Oh, look at verses 10 through 12 of our text. Now, therefore, O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way, for his wrath is kindled quickly. Oh, this is a warning, brothers and sisters, a warning to the nations, and, and God in his grace has every right to wipe them right out, but he gives them a warning. Jesus is merciful. He is a merciful king. He offers forgiveness to all those who would repent and believe in him. He offers all he offers grace to all those who would give up their desires for autonomy and surrender to him as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Oh, and this morning, God shows mercy that his king is a merciful king. But not only is he merciful, oh, he is good. He's a good king. As was mentioned last week, one of the hardest things to believe in difficult and unnerving situations 
is that God is good. When tragedy strikes our world, when when death happens, it's, it's hard to believe this. But he is good. Jesus is good. Listen to the, how the psalmist closes this last stanza. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Those who choose Jesus are blessed. They're blessed no, no matter what is going on in this world. What have we to fear except King Jesus? Those who find themselves in opposition to him should fear. They should fear the wrath of God against their sin. But those who choose Jesus as king fear him in a different way. Uh, our fear is a holy reverence. It is a reverence. It is a holy reverence because we know him as the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And all those who take refuge in him are safe. That is a promise, brothers and sisters. They are safe. Safe safe from the coronavirus? No, no, I can't promise that. But we are safe from the wrath of God against sin. Oh, brothers and sisters, who is your king this morning? Brothers and sisters, choose the king who reigns. Choose King Jesus. Let's pray.